0: Laura Giles. Do you have questions about the other world? I know you do. And our guest today, Robert Ginsberg, has answers. Some of you may know Robert. He appears on Netflix's brand new Surviving Death series. He has his own podcast, Signs of Life Radio, and has written a book on mediumship. So tons of stuff. And I'll let him tell you all about the amazing things he's into. But first, let's pause to acknowledge our ancestors and elements. So I acknowledge the element of earth and thank you for the lovely earth, the firm foundation upon which we live and the abundant food that surrounds us every day. Thank you for the amazing sensuous things that make our lives joyful and meaningful. I acknowledge the element of air and thank you for carrying our prayers to our ancestors and helping spirits for bringing us their messages through intuitions and dreams and acknowledge the element of fire that helps us to do things and follow through and live our passion. Acknowledge the element of water, and thank you for helping us to flow with the rhythm of life. I give thanks to the water for life-giving properties that it brings to all creatures. Acknowledge our loving, helping ancestors from the human, animal, and plant and mineral kingdoms. They're always looking out for us, and I send you love and gratitude for all that you do every day that is seen and unseen. And thank you to all of our listeners for being here, sharing our podcasts, asking questions, and commenting. I recently started asking you to review us on iTunes and all of this is helping our Google rating. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like to help with a financial donation, you can do that on our website at pansociety.net. So thank you all so much. And without further ado, let's welcome Robert Ginsburg. How are you?
1: Okay. I'm a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Thank you so much. So we're going to be talking about uh, your mediumship and near-death experiences and all that good stuff today. I shared a little bit about your background and can you flesh that out a little bit more and tell us how you got started in this realm and how that led to your TV show?
1: Well, um, it's a long journey. Um, you know, uh, years ago I, I was leading a uh, very materialistic life. You know, I had the, the toys and and, and the, and the ha- big house and all that stuff. And uh, I, I, um, Life was moving along. Uh, then one evening, well, actually it was three o'clock in the morning. My, my wife friend popped up, um, trembling and shaking. And she said, something horrible is going to happen today. And I said, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I can't tell you exactly, but I know something devastating is going to happen today. And I, um, even though I didn't believe in anything non physical, you know, we were together for many years. And uh, Fran, my wife, would have some occasional uh precognitive experiences, you know, and visions and so forth. And every time she had one of these, um they came true exactly the way she envisioned them. They were all good things. But logic told me that if she was right then, she could be right now. So I, I did what most parents would do. I, I kept tabs on my three children throughout the day. Um, one was already, um, in, in college, the other one was getting ready to go the next day. And my youngest one was working a part-time job. Um, and then I sort of let my guard down at night and and it faded from my awareness. And we were all out to, uh, to dinner and two cars and, to make a long story short, my my son and my daughter were involved in a. Uh, they took one car home. And they were involved in a horrible accident, and my daughter didn't survive. Um, and my son had some very serious uh, brain injuries. Um, and then about a month later, after it became clear that my son was indeed gonna gonna survive, um, it hit me like a ton of bro- bricks because I remembered. the the day of the accident. And I remembered my wife's, you know, knowing that, you know, that something there was going to happen. That started me on a journey of finding out if there was any credible evidence that, that were, that were more than our physical bodies, that we can survive physical death. Um, and I kind of crisscrossed the country. I met with medical doctors and scientists and researchers that studied consciousness, um, I needed the science end of it, and my wife, who who had a much uh, more spiritual outlook on things, didn't necessarily need the science. She just knew, uh, but I did, and one thing led to another, and eventually um, we formed this not-for-profit foundation for a family foundation, which is a... Emerging of, of science and spirituality. What you find is that sometimes they're, they're not as different as you may think. You know, one supports, the, supports the other. Uh, and what, what we do is we, um, we're interested in all evidence that we're more than our physical bodies and that could be in the form of, of, uh, of, um, telepathy or psychokinesis yeah. or, you know, it could be mediumship. It could be, um, after death communications or, or near death experiences, end of life experiences, um, and all sorts of things, you know, that, that show that, um, who we are is not necessarily what's contained in our, in our skulls. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we're more than that. Uh, so over the years, I mean, people have a, a hunger for this kind of knowledge and they're interested in it. And, you know, we became a, a global organization. You know, we have well over 10,000 members and, 65 countries and and when we do things uh, as you mentioned uh, mediumship, which is the topic of my, my new book is is one of the um, types of evidence you know that we do survive but you know there's, there's a lot a lot others so so th- that was a long-winded answer for a sh- you know a short question but I came to this really the way a lot of people, come to it is out of trauma or loss, you know, that wow. trauma or loss can be a trigger for exploration.
0: So do you do mediumship then?
1: No, no, I'm not, okay. I'm not intuitive at all. Um, although I do believe that we all, we all are um, intuitive to some degree, you know, some uh, more than others, you know, um, I, I, um would receive after my daughter's passing probably over the course of the next 7 years years or so i received um 70 dream visits from her um oh wow and um so I, i'm useless when i'm awake but when i'm in that rem stage of sleep somehow um i there's a conduit you know which she could get through and you know dream visitations are Different from so-called normal dreams. You know, normal dreams tend to be disjointed and kind of fragmented and all over the place. You know, in a dream visitation, uh, the the entity um in, in spirit that's coming through um appears to you like they're in front of you. I mean, you could see them, you could touch them, you could talk to them, you could smell them mm-hmm. and kiss them and so forth. So um they're quite different and they stay with you. Uh, forever. I encourage people, if they're lucky enough to ever get one, you know, to journal it and write it down so they can uh, refer to it, you know, later on.
0: Sure. So could you, is it possible to ask for one?
1: Yeah, I mean most people that are successful at it set their intention you know they might mm-hmm. say a prayer or, or 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 some sort of uh words of 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 encouragement or intention they put it out there and they invite their loved ones and spirit to come through um that happens um as well in different in, in mediumship you know it's it set their intention there's such a thing called uh electronic voice phenomena where people set their 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 intentions for that so I think intention is important in no matter what you do because you know we're entities of thought and energy uh and what we put out there um uh it gets put out there in in a a universe that's connected you know so Mm uh people uh it sounds strange to to some people that concept but To some degree, we we all come from that same spark of light and uh, and we are are connected. And science is um, starting to to show that. I mean, you take a um, scientist that study um, quantum fields, you know, know that if you take take, uh, two particles and and you shoot them at the the speed of light in opposite directions of the universe and you, you change the spin on one of the particles the other particle matches it you know and does the same thing like how how is that possible but another example of how you know everything is connected
0: yeah so um i'm glad you talked about intention um because i think that's really important so just to give you a little background back, background on me so i grew up uh, i'm animist. been animist since birth and so the whole idea of spirit contract or contact, that's just something I grew up with. It wasn't like anything weird. It's, you know, somebody has a spirit story. It's just like, okay, you know. Right. Um, so given that, <laughs> um, I have done paranormal investigations with teams and, and equipment and all of this stuff. And they, there's all kinds of activities. So I live in Richmond, Virginia, which has got tons of active spaces all over the place. And people's getting an activity, you know, and you can see them and it's captured. And then as soon as I get there, it stops. Now, I'm there because I want to see it. You know, I believe in it, but it never happens around me. Any idea what's going on there?
1: Well, you know, all these things that are non-physical things, they're, they're spontaneous in nature, which which makes it um, very difficult to study in a laboratory setting or in a clinical atmosphere. Um and uh, again, in science, you know, when we we kind of when we observe something, we, it collapses, you know, where it was in a, a wave state. You know, once we observe it, uh, it changes, you know, its state. So sometimes these things happen. I, you know, I saw that when I mentioned electronic voice phenomenon, you know, yeah. studying this, you, you know, exactly what that is. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it's strange because, as you know. When these uh, uh, electronic voice phenomena uh, messages are captured, you can never ever hear them live as they're being recorded right. you exactly. only hear them on playback it's the same mm-hmm. kind of principle you know um, it's you know uh, i don't know the, the the true answer to that uh, and and it's frustrating to a lot of people, especially to scientists and researchers you know that they try to um to, to study these things uh, using scientific protocol and it doesn't always work, you know, so, right. um,
0: yeah,
1: you know, and, and, and some of us happen to be receptors for these things. I mean, I have a, a, a friend that's a, um, she also happens to be a, a medium and she's been experimenting with electronic voice phenomena for 15 years. Um, and she, uh, you know, gets, I know people that try for years and never get anything. You know, virtually every every time she turns on the recorder, she gets something, you
0: know. Right, Um, right. Yeah, I've uh, never been. Yeah, there's you always get stuff. I've never been in an investigation where we never got it. Well, no, I take that back. So (laughs) so I was in a a seance uh, at a haunted house. You could feel it was just it it was a a Civil War place that had been used as a hospital. Energy was really dark and heavy. I'll call it heavy, not dark. Um, when we came in, it's an old house, it's not used, it's not in consistent use. And, um, you know, sometimes there's funky smells in there and I thought it had a plumbing problem when I came in, but then the next day it was upstairs and the next day I went back and the smell was somewhere else. I'm like, okay, that's not a plumbing problem. That's, that's something else. (laughs) So there's lots and lots of energy, lots of stuff there. Um, and we had a seance there and got nothing. Nothing. Not anything. Not on any recorder. Not on anything. Any ideas? Of what's going on there?
1: No. You know, people have been experimenting. You know, with f- physical mediumship. You know, mental mediumship is what everybody's familiar with. You know, it's a, it's a telepathic process. The medium is communicating with the discarnate entity. Um, it's still telepathy. It's a the person. One of the parties right. involved doesn't have a body. You know, but they still have have consciousness. So. People um I know people that have had seances and, and, and physical mediumship, there's a lot of observable physical phenomena that appear, levitations, apports, you know, things of all sorts You've of
0: seen this? what what was it? You've seen this? I've I, I've
1: been you know I was curious about it. Um because I've read so much of the literature I and mean, then there were some mm-hmm. extraordinary physical mediums back a hundred years ago, not so much today. There are some. So my wife and I traveled, um, to see, um, a, uh, physical medium. He's from Germany. Um, and I, cause I was just curious about the process. And the problem is that most of the physical mediums insist that the, the seance be conducted in darkness. So, There's no way for you to evaluate whether what you're experiencing is extraordinary and real or it's a fraud. And you can't tell. In the seance that, you know, physical uh mediumship seance that I sat in, um, they have um I was, you know, they they call it a trumpet. It's sort of a cylinder that's made out of Mm -hmm. cardboard, you know, that's what they used back in the day. Um Mm -hmm. I got wrapped in my, my head, in my body with that 15 times during the seance. Um, and I, and I saw, uh, you know, various, you know, different lights, uh, you know, this this saw some ectoplasm, which is another story, oh, wow. you know, but the, but the problem is I could not make any independent unbiased judgment because it was, I couldn't see anything. So either, either it's, it's, um, amazing and, and evidential and extraordinary or it's a fraud. And I can't say one, one way or another, you know, in mental mediumship, we have ways of, of, of testing, whether or not the, you know, the, the evidence is, is real or not. I mean, we developed uh, in 2005, a, a, medium certification pro program. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of scientists helped me um, devise it. And I, I kind of, Enhanced it and added to it over the years, but we put mediums in in a in a situation uh, under controlled conditions, and I train sitters and I teach them how to score evidence, and based upon five readings that they do, we can determine the their, the percentage of accuracy that they have. So you know, and it's proved out to be you know successful over the years. So. Um, those things, you know, there are certain things that you, you can measure, um, you know, certain things that, that you can't, you can't force these things to happen as you see, I mean, you can't will them to happen. matter of fact, the evidence seems to show that they happen more often when you, you know, you can set your intention and then let your intention go, you know, like don't, don't focus on it and try to force it to happen. You know, that, that inhibits the process. But if you just put the thought out there into the universe, somehow that seems to help.
0: How about in reverse? Let's say that I live in an active active house and I don't want any contact. Can I? Can I do that?
1: Um, sure. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's something that I ask uh, people often ask uh, mediums, and I get asked that question too. If mediums can turn off, in the mm. so they're not open and they're not receptive to information and. Um, And a lot of them will say, yeah, they either ask their guides or they, you know, set their intention for no information to come through. Mm. However, I've been in social situations with these same mediums that tell me that and we're having dinner or something and we're having a drink. And then all of a sudden I see that look in their eyes and information starts pouring through, you know. And, and so <laughs> I don't know that they truly can. um can turn it off. You know, it is a problem. I mean, because just imagine if you're um, hearing um, voices and seeing spirit and getting all sorts of communications, that could drastically affect, affect how you live your um, sure. your daily life. You know, I mean, uh, sure. as a matter of fact, we're presently um, consulting in a, in a study that's being done at uh, the Yale School of Medicine. And, and what they're doing is they want to study mediums and people who are able to get communications and hear voices. And they're trying to identify how such people turn off communication because they think they'll be able to help schizophrenics, you know, who have, you know, mental illness and develop some sort of a treatment protocol based upon what they learn. It's interesting. So um, what I do
0: for a living, I'm a trauma therapist. Okay. and. I get a ton of people, a surprising number of people. I don't know why they come to me, but they do. <laughs> and they tell me these stories because they don't know, you know, what, what am I hearing? Is this real? Is, am I crazy? Or, you know, what are these voices? Is there a way to tell the difference between, um, a, a discarnate voice, a spirit that's talking to you, and something else—something that's a mental health issue.
1: Yeah, it could be a fine line. I—I have to tell you that there, um, there, there's so many. There's tens of thousands of people every year that are misdiagnosed, you know, and put on for on sure, yeah, patients because it's just a normal sense like us speaking or hearing or you know smelling. It's another sense, and and their mental health professional was misdiagnosing it and dismissing yes. it and say, oh, they, they yes. must be crazy. They must have a mental illness in the dream when, when they're not. You know, right. I think that when people start sharing these exper- you know, these experience, experiences that they have, um, and this becomes more widely accepted, um, I think people will be able to live more meaningful lives, you know, instead of shutting it down. Now, there are some... Um, uh, mental health professionals that embrace this, you know, instead of, um, trying to, uh, counsel their patients in ways that they can separate from their loved one that's passed, they teach the opposite, continue a relationship just in a different way, you know, um, you know, and I think that's healthy. Well, we get calls from parents whose children are seeing deceased relatives or they're, get, you know, the hearing things and they're worried, you know, but, It's common, you know, you know, it's more common than anyone would think. And, you know, we tell them to, I mean, of course, some people do have mental illnesses and for that they need to seek professional guidance, but for the rest of them, you know, embrace it, you know, engage your child in conversations. These things um, tend to, in, 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 in with children, a lot of times it kind of dissipates as they, get mm-hmm. older and that may have something to do with, you know, society and cultural norms and education or religion and so forth. And so, well, you know, we don't, we shouldn't talk about that. And it gets weaned out of, it. I think that our ancestors, um, you know, we, we, there were these ages of mysticism that lasted for, you know, tens of thousands of years and people didn't think of this as paranormal. It was just part right. of who we were.
0: Just normal. Yeah, it
1: was just normal. Yeah. And you can make the argument that the, the, the founders of most of the, today's, um, organized religions came out of those ages of mysticism, you know. So it was like pure communication without the dogma, you know, it's, it's sort of got, uh, went off kilter, you know, uh, in the ages. But, um, yeah, I think it's something that, um, is inherent to us all. And, and, uh, you don't have to be a medium you know you can be just be a personal communicator right and remain open you know
0: yeah i agree i'm so glad that uh people are starting to say that you know anytime i have somebody tell me a story like i've never told anybody this before i'm like why aren't you telling people talk about it i see that all the time i've never told anybody if we all talked about it it would just be normal
1: you're right you know we we used to host all these um, afterlife we call them afterlife discussion groups across the country, and they were simply um, small safe groups you know maybe ten mm-hmm. or twenty people um, um, simply for the purpose of sharing and learn you know t- uh, discussing experiences and learning you know uh, about the different types of evidence and so forth and we'd see it all the time you know people would come. Uh, usually in various stages of grief, and they would sit there in the meeting and they wouldn't open their mouths. They just listen. And they'd come to the second meeting. We didn't hold them that often, you know. And then they'd still they wouldn't say a word. And then the third um, meeting, all of a sudden, they would start telling experiences and stories. And you just want to shake them and say, "Why didn't you tell us this before?" You know, right. because yeah. they had to determine if we were safe. You know, and and that, it's a um. shame. You know, it's like because. People are judged and labeled, you know, when, when they talk about these things, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, I can recall a time, uh, not long, uh, about two years after my daughter passed, I went to a medical doctor who was a friend of mine, I don't remember why I went there it was for something and, and uh, he greeted me and he asked me what I was doing. And I said, you really want to know? And he, he said, Yeah. And I said, Well, I'm studying survival of consciousness. So he looked at me and he said, okay. And we go talk some more. (laughs) We're talking about 20 minutes. And he says to me, can I ask you something? He says, what's survival of consciousness? So I start telling him about all this stuff that we're talking about now. And eventually he got this real serious look on his face. And he said, I have to tell you something. He said about, he says, my father uh, died eight years ago. And he said, I had a lot of patients in the hospital that were critical and I needed to call my answering service and check on them because uh, I couldn't make rounds. And, and he called the answering service and he said, oh, doctor, your father called. And he said, my father died at nine o'clock this morning. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry, doctor. We must have gotten the message wrong. It must have been your, you must have said your father-in-law. He said, my father-in-law died 15 years ago. He said, um, what time did the call come in? And they said, 9.15. He says, well, read me back the message. And the message was, hi, It's me. I'm okay. So, Um, so here, here's this medical doctor that kept for eight years, didn't tell a soul. He wouldn't tell his wife. He wouldn't tell his children. He wouldn't tell his colleagues. He wouldn't tell anybody. But after he heard the stuff that was coming out of my mouth, he knew I wasn't going to judge him. So I presented that environment and he told it. But, um, and the reason I like to tell that story is because it just illustrates um, how unfortunate it is that we feel that we have to suppress that instead of yeah. telling, telling people, you know.
0: Yeah, I think especially when somebody passes, because I've been to, um, I don't know what you call these. They usually have them at comedy clubs, but it's a medium. There's a It's like a gallery thing where there's a bunch yeah. of people and they'll just come to you and do messages. And people come there almost always because somebody has died and they just want to know they're okay. And they're just crying. And, you know, there's such a such a relief, I think, well, me, to hear something from them.
1: Yeah, mediumship can be very uh, uh, transformative, you know, in grief. But on the other hand, they could do a lot of damage, you know, because, uh, and that's, I cover this extensively in the medium explosion because, um, the, you know, people that, are as you mentioned you know they're in some of them are in horrible grief it's very raw and they desperately want to hear from their loved one um and they'll make anything fit you know they'll hear something different than what the you know the mediums are are saying and uh, sometimes mediums use various techniques like cold reading techniques you know where they'll they'll size you up by based, based upon your appearance and your age and your ethnicity. And, um, you know, let's say general statements, you know, and, you know, all to, to fool you into believing that it's communication is really taking place when it's not, you know, on the other hand, um, there are some, uh, mediums, um, that are out there, and especially the ones we've certified, a lot of them have gone on to fame and fortune. Uh, but, um, uh they um are very very consistent and they don't resort to any uh tactics you know today we live in this age of google with a click with a click of a mouse i could find out half your life story you know <laughs> so true. you know, mediums yeah. can find out all you know didn't a 100 years ago that didn't exist yes. you know but today mm-hmm. it's a real problem you know we try to train mm-hmm. people what to say how to react not to divulge information you know, don't feed the medium, let them tell you, you know, because it's much more powerful that way, you know, mm-hmm. So if I give you a message, um, and I say that, um, you know, I have your grandmother here, and she's telling me that she loves you. Okay, well, that, that's so general. And it's a message, right. how many grandmothers don't love their grandchildren, you know. So, <laughs> but if I came to you, and I said, "Oh, listen, I have your grandmother here, uh, Rebecca, and your grandmother's name was Rebecca, uh, that that's that's more evidential you know and and we score these things we score evidential information higher than just general stuff you know
0: yeah yeah i'm glad you brought that up because that's i mean i'm saying yes believe 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 but there are uh, crockpots uh, crockpots crackpots out there who, who are just totally unscrupulous and i do think you know you can get taken advantage of if you really want to see it and really want to believe it
1: yeah i you know i had a Years ago, I had a next door neighbor, and, and, and unfortunately, her husband passed in, a, in an accident at work. And um, she knew what we did, you know, so she asked if um, if uh, she told us of two experiences. One, she went to a you know a lot of people misuse the term psychic for medium. It's different, mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. went to a psychic, and the psychic t- psychic told her that she was cursed, and before she knew it she bought curse removing candles for the two of a $5,000. Yeah. did you imagine that? And this was an intelligent prof- professional woman, but it just shows that she was in such grief that she was very vulnerable, you know, yeah. you know, so, and she also told me that she had an incredible reading with a medium and she recorded it. Yeah. And she asked me to listen to the recording so I can evaluate it. And I did. And, she was shocked because most of what she thought she heard when we played the tape wasn't actually said, you know, so you're kind of yeah. just making things. Uh, so it's, it, it, it's something to, it can be treacherous, but, um, I've, you know, we hold these, uh, grief retreats, uh, one of which was depicted in the surviving death series, you know, on Netflix. And, and, and it, and it's just, uh, sometimes it's, it's amazing. You see p- people arrive on Friday and, they're in such sadness. They can't even speak and a alone, you know, smile. And then Sunday night when they leave, they're hugging and they're kissing and, and they're talking and there are smiles. And what, you know, that about says it all, you know, it's, it's terrific.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever get anything that's just like hilarious happen either as you're investigating or, or just some funny ghost stories?
1: <laughs> well, you know, most of the stuff, you know, happens the mediums reported a lot of stuff i put a bunch of that stuff um in my book but um yeah sometimes they're even shocked you know with the information that it that it is funny some of which i put some x-rated ones in the book i can't even repeat them here but but um yeah sometimes i because it's it's a question that question i pose to mediums you know i said tell me something you know hilarious or extraordinary and, and they all have you know different stories of things happen there are also things that are shocking. There's, there's one story I have in a book of a, a medium that's certified by us, um, and she was doing uh, – this is not a funny thing. It's just an example of the, how mediums, uh, how people in spirit keep tabs on what's happening in, in our real lives. She was doing a reading, the medium for a woman, in her home, in the medium's home, and she was bringing through this the, the woman's deceased mom, and she was giving – bringing forth all this um, specific evidence. So, you know, the woman knew that the connection was made. And all of a sudden the medium said, wait, your mom is showing me one shot fired, two shots fired, one dead, you know, and, and, and the woman Whoa. is sitting there saying, oh my God, what are you, your medium, you must be nuts. You know, my mother would never yeah. say anything like that. Then she said, three shots fired, four shots fired. And she goes, four shots, three people dead. Within 20 seconds after she said that the two of them, the medium and the sitter heard sirens outside the medium's house.
0: Oh wow! It,
1: it turns out, um, one of the medium's neighbors that was an estranged family and the estranged husband came home, broke into the house,
0: oh, killed
1: and killed, um, you know, four shots fired and three people were killed. So, um, It's an, it's a striking example of this was information given by somebody in spirit about Mm -hmm. something that was happening in real time in the physical world. Now, where they are, I don't think there's such a thing as real time. I think that's present and future is all, you know, kind of happening at the same time. But uh, I think that people in spirit do keep tabs um, on what's happening here. It doesn't mean that they're watching you 24 hours a day. Okay. Uh, but kind of, you know, we're beings, uh, beings of thought, they remain beings of thought and there's still communication, you know, that takes place. You know, mm-hmm. the, the other day, um, the same medium that I was talking about that does EVP. Um, my my wife uh, passed away in September and um sometimes I, talk out loud to her, you know, just about menial things. So the other day um, I was washing the dishes in the sink, you know, and I said to my wife, I said, I don't care what you say. This this sink is poorly designed because water splashes all over the place. Well, next thing you know, I, I get an email uh, from my friend Janet, who says that um, she was doing a meditation doing her own for personal, personal meditation, not for the purposes of connecting with spirit. But she said, um, my wife, uh, friend just appeared in a meditation and said, mention this, the kitchen sink to Bob, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I had just said that, you know, so it was, you know, it is something trivial and meaningless, but it was meaningful to me because I had right. just put that out there and now I'm, you know, I'm getting it back. You know, so
0: So do anybody, do you have, do you have any stories of, um, like psychic detective stuff? Like, um, when I was in this gallery, uh, reading, there was at least one person in the audience who was, who had had somebody murdered and they were hoping to get a, like a whodunit kind of thing. Do you have any stories like that?
1: Um, not specifically. I know that, um, there's a book um, called uh, "Afterlife Encounters" by Diane Diane Archangel, and she has a very compelling story in there along those lines, where uh, a woman's son was murdered, and um, in, you know they could not find the police were at a dead end. They had no clues. They couldn't find the murderer, and uh, through a medium, uh, a message was relayed to her that where the accident site was and they said you need to go to the accident site you know because there's blood in the snow you know um and but you need to go right away because the temperatures were rising and you'd lose the evidence um and she the woman then had a conundrum what do i do i do i call the detective and tell him that a medium told me this, you know, they might laugh at me. So instead she said, I haven't, I had an anonymous tip. Um, And the the detective accompanied her and they went to that, to the site that was described. And sure enough, they they found, you know, the the blood in the snow and they were able to test it and they, you know, they solved the case. So uh, I know that uh, most of the mediums that we work with, I mean, don't do it on a regular basis, but some of them get called upon, um, by, uh, law enforcement, you know, to help with cases, you know, the uh, and, uh, you know, some of it is, is just purely psychic information, you know, mind to mind communication among living entities. And some, like the story I just mentioned comes from, you know, somebody, uh, in spirit. So sometimes they're using their psychic abilities. Sometimes they're using the mediumistic abilities, but, um, yeah those things happen all the time and and not and even without mediums you know sometimes people have these these precognitive dreams or this information okay. that comes to them in a dream and they wake up and and you know it turns out to be true i mean how many people um decided not to go to work the day of the nine eleven because they just it just didn't right. feel right you know so i mean yeah. you hear these stories through the ages of of um just getting this we call them gut feelings but um you know, uh, who knows where they, 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 you know, where they emanate from, but we're, we're uh, antenna for, for, for information.
0: Mm -hmm. You do, um, you research near-death experiences too, right?
1: Yeah. We don't perform the research ourselves, but we work with scientists that, you know, uh, because we educate the public about the evidence that they produce. I think that near-death experiences are, uh, very, very compelling, maybe the, the best form of evidence of life after death, because here you have people that they meet every definition of death. You know, they have no brainwaves. They have no respiration. They have no heartbeat. They have no uh, reflexes. You know, they are dead um, and, and, and medicine says they're dead. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, you know, we have these great resuscitative techniques now, and a lot of people do get brought back and they come back with various stories of information that they couldn't possibly have known you know they report things like floating above their bodies and seeing what was going on and describing everything that was going on in the waiting room in the operating room or being at a totally different location you know and meeting deceased loved ones and uh being imbued with all of this um information you know uh and and uh and some uh, some return um, with enhanced uh, uh psychic ability on their own you know somehow it it you know jolts the system. The interesting thing is that almost invariably nobody wants to come back i mean they're pissed off when they come
0: back you know yeah. put
1: back into that body because where they were uh you know, most of the time, uh, was beautiful, you know, and yeah. vibrant colors, you know, and, and music and clarity of thinking. And, you know, sometimes the skeptics will say, well, th- this is just the result of, you know, oxi- oxygen deprivation, you know, but, um, you know, people that have oxygen deprivation, they don't have clear and lucid thinking. They're thrashing about, you know, mm-hmm. they have all for these fragmented, you know, crazy kind of thoughts. But what are people, uh, without a working brain, these people describe these, uh, like, realer than real, you know, these clear thinking, lucid, you know, okay. conversations, which should not be possible, you know, okay. if it was just a result of, uh, you know, oxygen deprivation. So um, those, I think that's a very uh, compelling form of evidence.
0: You said most of the time uh, people report going to this heavenly place. Do you have stories of when they didn't go to, meaning a dark place?
1: Yeah, you know, about 10% of the 90%, I would say, have these positive experiences and about 10% don't, you know. And a lot of it, don't forget, it's it's filtered by our own own, uh, upbringing and culture and religion and, and all these other factors, you know. So, and that's why uh, experiences, um, vary. So somebody in, in our culture might, um, be religious, you know, so they interpret seeing this uh, divine entity and they'll say that well, they saw Jesus and somebody right. in another country might say that they saw, you know, Muhammad and somebody might say, well, they, I saw Buddha, you know, so the, I think they're all seeing the same thing, but they're interpreting, uh, these things in their own frame of reference. So similarly, if you were, very religious and you were taught your whole life that there was a heaven and a hell, um, you know, and that you were going to go to one place or another, um, you might interpret an experience that you have, that you had um, as as hellish, you know. So uh, I don't know. I don't personally believe um, that, that there's a delineation of places. I think that we um, go based upon our own self-judgment. You know, near-death experiences report – Uh, um, having a life review where their entire life is flashed before them like a quick movie reel. And during that review, they get to experience um, all of the harm and the negative uh, energy uh, that they uh, inflicted upon others. And they feel that pain. And, and they also feel the exhilaration or all, all the joy and, and out of love and compassion that, that, that they brought upon others. So they judge, people judge themselves. And that's sort of where we wind up maybe with like-minded people. But you know, the consensus is that even if you were a horrible, disgusting, e- evil person in the physical life, that eventually, um, you will, um, you have a totally different perspective in your new surroundings and you have assistance and eventually you will move, you know, closer to whatever you want to call it, advancement or enlightened. Enlightened. And some people are uncomfortable with that because they want justice. You know, they want, you know, somebody that was a murderer to be confined to a hellish existence for the rest of yeah. eternity. Uh, I don't think that's the way it works.
0: I agree. I agree. So I I don't know. I think that the best thing to do with that is to kind of get over it.
1: (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, Yeah, let it go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So um, I know that a lot of paranormal investigations take place at night. And so being that I've I've done this and um, the most activity that we get tends to be oddly enough at what we call the witching hour. Do you... Find that to be true too? Like they show up more at night and or that a certain time of day or night is is more active than others?
1: Well, there's some truth to that because um we have always found that the hours um where most people report you know communications and encounters and things seems to be something around that three o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the morning kind of a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, from personal experience and, and what people report, I don't know why. Um, as far as at, at night, um, you know, like going out, you know, uh, and doing investigations at night versus versus a day, I don't think it really matters, you know, when it comes to paranormal uh, phenomena. Um, I never quite got why people like to do investigations in cemeteries that they're not there, you know, you know, their entities, that their body that they discarded is there, but you know, who they are is is somewhere entirely different, you know? So, I mean, over the years, I mean, it's been, uh, my daughter passed in 2002. I've been to the cemetery twice, you know, cause I just don't think of her as being there, you know, she's, she's elsewhere, (laughs) you know? So I don't know. Now, some people might argue, yes, but some people after they pass have a, still have physical attachments, and that may be true, you know, somebody that, um, you know, somebody that was a musician, you know, might want to try to experience more music, or somebody that loved to eat might want to, you know, or have another drink, or be close to the physical world, and have attachments to that, and then eventually, you know, release, I'm open to that, you know, but um, uh, what's interesting is that, Along those lines, it wasn't addressing the question you answered, but um, I find that, um, you know, most people, are really, it really doesn't matter, you know, the, the, the surroundings that they're in, you know, or, or the time. I mean, uh, after-death communications take place all the time, 24 you know, hours a day. It's just that I mentioned that 3 o'clock hour because there seems to be a higher percentage of people that have these experiences just then. I don't know why.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts about healing the dead? Do you feel like they need any healing or can that be done?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know that we would do any healing from our end. Um, You know, I think that there are people on the other side um, that, that help. I think that, when people are trying to communicate from the other side, they have mediums on their side too to help get messages, you know, to, to us. But um, but there's nothing wrong with um, expressing. The way I look at it is, is, is emotion is, is a conduit. So sometimes I, I'll say to myself, well, would my loved one in spirit um, – can they feel my sadness? You know, and mm-hmm. if they feel my sadness, is that holding them back as uh, they, in a the sense that it, am I causing them any, any, um, you know, I was going to say discomfort. It's a bad term, but am I, am I, you know, am I affecting them negatively by them having to feel my pain? You know, and I, I kind of use that as a coping me- mechanism to snap out of it. You know, you know, on the other hand, um, if I set my intention or if they feel the love that I have for them, maybe yeah. that uplifts them, you know, in a certain way. So I think that emotions um, do play a role in everything that we do. Even the researchers that study psychic phenomena, when when there's a, a strong emotions or conduits for, for, for telepathic communication, you know, and various other phenomena. So, uh, and it could be, that's why mediums work is that, Almost always, there's a, there's a love bond between the sitter and, and, and the person and spirit. So they might use that emotion of love uh, to help them use it as a conduit to get information through. You know, information doesn't. Come, yeah, emotion doesn't come. You know, communication doesn't come through as often with people that don't know each other or you know don't have strong feelings about one another.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The time has just flown by. <laughs> Thank you so much for the chat. You're welcome. Um, can you tell our listeners more about your foundation, your book and podcast, anything you want to share about how to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. I um, mean, the, the, the foundation is uh, forever spelled out words, forever family org. Uh, on the website that we have. Um, uh, you can join as a member. It's free. Um, and we do, uh, we have a, a you know, radio show every week and we have, uh, webinars and we have retreats and we have all sorts of different, uh, things. We have recommended reading section. We have videos. So it's a good resource for learning about this stuff. Uh, my book is called The Medium Explosion. Uh, it's available, you know, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and so forth. Um, and that's kind of a, a guidebook to anybody that was ever thinking about, um, going to a medium or has gone to a medium. We're just simply curious about the evidence, you know, for life after that. Um, anybody, uh, you know, all the contact information is on our website. Okay. And
0: there's um, uh, the certified medium stuff
1: also on that website. Yeah. There's a, there's a section on mediumship and certified mediums and anybody okay. interested in applying there's instructions on how to do that. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And if anybody gets a chance, they could watch uh Surviving Death on Netflix. I mean, now a foundation is featured in episode four.
0: Awesome, cool. Okay. Well, that's our show for this week. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Miwi, and Twitter. Um, send us your questions and comments. We love hearing from you. Thank you all for joining us for this edition of Pan Society Radio. My thanks to the Elements, ancestors, and our guest, of course. Um, so grateful for the listeners too. And I'll see y'all next week.